0: Hey, DSR listeners, this is Grant Haver, producer of Deep State Radio, and today we're off, but I thought you might be interested in one of the other podcasts on our network. Every Friday on the Words Matter podcast, Norm Ornstein and Kavita Patel talk about the upcoming midterm elections and the issues shaping them. Last week, they talked about a variety of primary elections and the impact of the Mar-a-Lago search On the conversation around the midterms. I hope you enjoy their conversation and go over to the Words Matter feed and subscribe. This is Words Matter with Norm Ornstein. It's a sad reflection and it's true in a lot of places. And Dr. Kavita Patel.
1: Man, Liz Cheney should run for president. Hello, and welcome to Words Matter from the DSR Network. This week, Norm and I will be talking about one of the issues facing our country and others as we head into the midterms and where our leaders are and what they're saying and doing about them. We are setting up today's episode to come to you not just with election updates, but an important content only for members with not just the, the violence on Salman Rushdie, but also just a framing for, since uh, my co-host Norm is actually in Chautauqua and has 1st firsthand insights into the beauty of the environment, which I think many of us are interested in hearing. In we're also going to touch on not only the Democrats and Republicans latest election woes, as well as victories, but weave in any of the occurrences that have happened over the last week, including not just the infamous search on Mar-a-Lago and the continuing aftermath, but how this is intersecting with the new cycle of politics of our day. So on with our show. Well, Norm, it looks like we've got not only some key races that we had some readout from primaries, which I hate to say were not shocking or surprising, we've got uh, a couple of segments here that we want to, to just play on and, and talk through not, not only what uh, I think the key races we've spoken with, Mehmet Oz and John Fetterman in Pennsylvania in the Senate. By the way, John Fetterman continuing to, I think, just from a medical standpoint, raise eyebrows because of his ongoing recovery. Keep in mind, this man had not only a heart condition that led to a stroke, but most people recovering from a stroke don't do it on a public eye with an incredibly close and tight Senate race. So that has raised the stakes for his public appearances. But also we have a segment and a clip from Liz Cheney as she had to concede in her primary Two years ago, I won this primary with 73% of the vote. I could easily have done the same again. The path was clear, but it would have required that I go along with President Trump's lie about the 2020 election. It would have required that I enable his ongoing efforts to unravel our democratic system and attack the foundations of our republic. That was a path I could not and would not take. So with that, I wanted to just dive right into it. Norm, we saw a couple of things that weren't surprising, at least to myself, around where Murkowski and Cheney ended up. We also saw Sarah Palin kind of on the fray here, making her return visit for a congressional seat in Alaska. But I know that you've had not just these kind of high key races in mind that had a lot of public visibility in the media over the last several weeks, but you've had some insights as you've driven from D.C. to New York with what's really going on in Pennsylvania. Give me your thoughts, kind of the roundout on election results as we have them today, what you think this means. Oh, and by the way, wanted to mention, we also had uh, President Biden returning from his vacation in South Carolina to sign the Inflation Reduction Act. And it was uh, met with what I would say was a very nice throwback tweet From Barack Obama, a tweet from Barack Obama with a throwback quote of BFD, referring to big fill in the blank deal that uh, was famously quoted by then Vice President Joe Biden after the signing of the Affordable Care Act. And I thought it was only fitting that he bookended that, uh, returning the favor with the Inflation Reduction Act. But in all in all, incredible week. But give us your thoughts, elections and the intersection of the politics of the day.
0: Thanks, Kavita, and yeah, it really was an incredible week of ups and downs, and many of them were predictable. But the downs are still downs, the predictable or not. And on that front, of course, it was that Liz Cheney didn't just uh, lose out on her bid for the Republican nomination for re-election to the House seat in Wyoming. She got thumped by 30 or 35 points, it looks like, and her opponent, who will now very, very likely be the next representative from Wyoming, is a radical nutcase who believes in conspiracy theories, is an election denier, has promoted conspiracy theories for a long time. And it just tells you what tribalism is all about, that you have a very conservative patriot against somebody who should be nowhere near a public office, And the latter wins overwhelmingly because the identity in Wyoming is you're either for Trump, which means you're with us, or you're against him, no matter what. And that's how it worked out. And it's a transformation of a state. I've been very close to Alan Simpson, the longtime now retired, now just about 90, a senator. He was co-chair of the Continuity of Government Commission that I created and is a remarkable guy and, you know, a conservative, but somebody who tried to solve problems was key in immigration reform in the past, among many other issues. And that a state that could elect an Alan Simpson now moves in the direction of radicalism and anti-American radicalism, really, if I think of American as being our fundamental values, is a sad reflection. And it's true in a lot of places. Pennsylvania, driving through central Pennsylvania is interesting some beautiful territory, and then up to upstate New York as well. And there are two interesting strains here, Kavita. One, as we drove up the number of Trump signs and Let's Go Brandon signs and F Biden signs all over the place, on farms, at businesses, and everywhere. And the same is true up here. And that's central Pennsylvania. And that's a state that's been, I would say, very, very light blue. It has, and partly because of, and largely because of dramatic gerrymandering, a Republican legislature, a Democratic governor right now. And we have races for governor, open race uh, and for the Senate, Pat Toomey, the conservative Republican retiring. Uh, and you see all of these signs, but at the same time, What we see in Pennsylvania, unlike what we have just seen in Wyoming, is a little bit of discernment. The Republican candidate for governor, Doug Mastriano, was there at the Capitol on January 6th, is openly saying that he will subvert the election results if they don't come out the way he wanted. And the Republican candidate for the Senate, Dr. Mehmet Oz, is somebody with not only no experience in government or politics, but, you know, frankly, a snake oil salesman. And of course, somebody who has lived in New Jersey all of his life, who has voted not just in New Jersey, but voted, including in the most recent election, in his native Turkey, has just said that he had two homes when in fact he has 10 homes. And what's happened is that the Democratic candidates Josh Shapiro, the lieutenant uh, uh, governor, and uh, John Fetterman, the Democrat running for the Senate, have now, at least in some polls, wide leads. And what's happened is, unlike Wyoming, there are a lot of suburban voters in Pennsylvania who have been Republican. Philadelphia, Bucks County uh, being one example, I think have been turned off by the radicalism and by the sense that there are genuine people, and John Fetterman, who wears a hoodie, who has a beard, who wears shorts and combat boots, just looks like an average guy and a genuine person, and they're winning. Now, I get up to uh, Chautauqua County, New York, and wherever you go, there are not just signs for Trump and the usual let's go Brandon, but they're having some races up here. In a congressional race, you see a lot of yard signs saying this is Carl country. That's for Carl Paladino, who is quite well known in the state of New York, ran unsuccessfully for the Senate in the past, a wealthy businessman from Buffalo, but who is well known most recently because he praised Adolf Hitler, said, "Look at the crowds Hitler brings in. Look at that kind of speech that he gives. We need leaders like him, which is not something you would normally view as a plus. And at the same time, has a history of racist comments and behavior and of sending porn around to people who didn't want it, but he's the odds-on favorite. And his opponent on the Republican side has one characteristic, which is I'm closer to Donald Trump than Palladino is, while Palladino says, no, I'm closer to Trump. So what we have here is the hope for Democrats that Pennsylvania may represent statewide that those suburban voters will be so turned off by the radicalism emerging that they'll vote for reasonable Democrats, and that maybe that will translate nationally. That the Inflation Reduction Act will resonate enough with people that they see a turnaround, that government is working and Biden is succeeding in November. But if not, one of the things that's going to happen is that. We're going to see more Marjorie Taylor Greens, Lauren Boebert's, Jim Jordan's. And if the Republicans take a majority in the House, it's going to be a real, and I'll say a chit show, and that will be uh, devastating for Biden for the following two years, but also could lead us into a default and many other very bad things, defunding lots of government, including the Republicans defunding the FBI and police. Quite an irony, but not a very good one.
1: I want to pick up on a couple of threads, very just so much that you had in there. So let me actually just kind of go back to something that we have in our clip uh, around Liz Cheney. And she gave this incredibly long kind of, I think, obviously planned concession speech. It wasn't any shock to her. I think she was completely prepared to come for a fight and be prepared to lose, which she was. I have to say it here. So I'll, I'll, I pulled it up because what, the clip we had was just a little, and I want to read a couple more words. Ladies and gentlemen, freedom is not, cannot, will not die here. And she invoked Ulysses S. Grant, Lincoln, and and a number of other kind of tomes that I think are woven in through democracy. And then she says, as we leave here, let us resolve that we will stand together, Republicans, Democrats, and independents against those who would destroy our republic. They are angry, they are determined, but they have not seen anything like the power of Americans united in defense of our Constitution and committed to the cause of freedom. There is no greater power on this earth, and with God's help, we will prevail. And then she goes on to say a number of additional things. And I have to say, you know, there was this moment I was watching her give the speech live. And, and I honest, you know, <laughs> Norm, I think you and I have talked about this. Never would you have heard the words uttered out of my mouth, man, Liz Cheney should run for president. But within hours of that speech, you saw she floated a little bit of a uh, this might have been her presidential bid, her concession speech, very carefully, craftily written. And I have to tell you, just given everything you just said. And I'll kind of triple down on you. One of the things I've been trying to do just for 2022 in general, it's not one of my resolutions, but it's just a conscientious behavior. I'll listen on my long commutes to and from clinic and hospital work. I'll listen to SiriusXM, I'll listen to Fox News. It's probably more tolerable for me to listen to it than to watch it because I can't throw something while I'm driving. But I, I found myself listening every day, I'll listen to an aliquot of it. I was listening to some of the reactions to speeches, but also your comment about the Inflation Reduction Act. So they highlighted some of these primary, of course, they settled more on the victories of Hageman, you know, just these deplorable candidates and talked about Liz Cheney losing because she, Liz Cheney losing because she conceded to the Democrats. But here was what was interesting. And this is, it wasn't just Tucker Carlson, by the way, it was all across the network. They had person after person, Monica Crowley, who, if you recall, was like the uh, deputy secretary at treasury for public affairs, PhD, but basically a mouthpiece for all things that were falsehoods about any economic policy in the Trump era and they brought on their cast of conservative commentators about literally reinforcing Inflation Reduction Act. It's a lie to all Americans. Inflation Reduction Act. Watch what happens when Brandon and his supporters see that gas prices aren't going to go down. Milk prices aren't going to go down. In fact, they're going up. You know, this is yet again another welfare state disguised as some sort of economic policy where there is no economic policy to be found. They cited a Penn study study, and I'm doing air quotes for people just listening and not watching. They cited a, a study out of the Wharton School of business around how there was nothing in this that actually would reduce inflation, which, as you and I know, you can always find. You get 10 academics together, you can get 30 different perspectives on something that is at that point just theoretical and put into legislation, not actually implemented. And and I do think that it just reminded me as much as I had this moment of kind of swelling rise when I thought about Cheney. and would love to hear your thoughts about her potentially running for president if you read that as I did and many others did. But then the second piece of this is we Democrats have, <laughs> in the words of, of uh, my husband and some of my friends, you know, the, the Democrats are like the New York Mets, you know, the, they'll fight and they'll fight and they'll fight. And sometimes you just know they're always gonna lose. I can't help but feel like, The Republicans are also coming to this, and I should say the conservative extreme arm of the party. They have this uncanny ability to take anything and somehow twist, turn, perversely lie about it. And I think what you saw last night in Wyoming, in Alaska, in places, was exactly that validation that the lies win and break through. And so I'm curious, kind of, one, your Cheney read as I did, but then two, where is this kind of, uh, power of Americans united in defense of our constitution and and commitment to freedom. Because with media, and I'll say that the liberal media, of which I enjoy myself contributing to on many occasions, liberal media is guilty of this as well. So where does media play a role, unfortunately, making this altogether worse? And I think that's why you saw the signs you did. That's why Fox News has not tried to, they've tripled down on this because it's working and then finally it feels like we're only scratching the surface of the well of deplorable idiots that one can cast in any number of these roles and can constantly be put up for races and i don't know if we've got that deep bench on the on well i wouldn't even call it the democratic side on the side of people who actually have rational thought
0: so you know in a lot of ways this is going to get worse before it gets better we happened to liz cheney has also happened to a number of the republicans in the house that handful who voted for impeachment we're seeing them lose in primaries to trumpists let's face it most of them when it came to almost every issue still voted with their tribe but it showed that minimal level of moral courage and they're gone And they're not likely to be replaced by comparable people. They're going to be replaced by people who are further over to the edge. Now, having said that, we'll talk a little bit about Mar a Lago and the uh, search warrant, not a raid. Trump is getting into deeper and deeper trouble. And one question is if we find out that the worst case scenario is a reality, that there were really sensitive nuclear secrets. That Trump had and was possibly selling to another country or giving over to one of our adversaries. What will happen? We've already seen some key Republicans try and get a little distance from Trump. They're now finally realizing what's going on. We're getting more and more information about what led up to and happened on January 6th and the role from the top in encouraging death and mayhem. Maybe we have. A core of people who continue to be diehard Trumpists no matter what, but a kind of internal war among Republicans that will make it more difficult for them. Maybe that could provide an opening for Liz Cheney, but for Liz Cheney to run for president as a Republican is fundamentally a non-starter given what we just saw in Wyoming. My fear is that she might be convinced to run on Andrew Yang's new party. And what we know from these efforts by uh, third parties or fourth parties to get on the ballot in presidential elections is they can skew the results. That would be a nightmare, frankly, because what Cheney would attract is those suburban, moderate and real conservative Republicans who otherwise would be so appalled by either a Trump or a DeSantis that they would either not vote or more likely vote for the Democratic candidate if it's a reasonable Democrat. And that includes Biden running for re-election. And that could you know, skew the outcome of the election in key states. So I'm a little concerned about that, at least in the short run. But Liz Cheney can have a big future, not necessarily as a presidential candidate or in elective office. Although, you know, She's spent much of her life more in Virginia. You can imagine her being a pretty formidable candidate for the Senate in Virginia. So I, I don't rule that out, but I think she's going to be a moral force here. And that's not what one would have expected a few years ago. And we need those moral forces, including some who stay as Republicans, to try and turn it back from a fanatic religious cult into a conventional if very conservative political party. But, you know, it's going to be uh, that election and the others that we've seen are troubling because for the next few years, at least, for the next two years, at least, we've got a Republican Party that is moving more and more in a radical direction that spits on processes and constitutional rights.
1: And on top of that, and then maybe we can talk about Mar-a-Lago, which I do. I should have. Uh, I think it's too early in my time to express my sarcasm with the concept of not just the raid, but this uh, that that I did listen to on Tucker Carlson. This kind of incredible outrage on this raid on Mar-a-Lago and Merrick Garland's overreach, and 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 literally, I think the quote out of Tucker Carlson's mouth was, "I mean." So what if he had documents at Mar-a-Lago? I mean, he's the president. Don't we think it's safe to do that? And could you imagine if Barack Obama had actually done that norm? And so maybe we can shift to Mar-a-Lago briefly before we get to Chautauqua, because i picking up on what you had just said. I think there's just something, there's such a troubling, even in the framing and the narrative on the kind of raid and, and all the associated issues around it, there's a troubling Direct referral to the elitism of Washington, Merrick Garland kind of reflecting that as its front man. And how dare the, you know, the, Donald Trump is like a hard worker What has, you know, what has Joe Biden done for regular Americans? Donald Trump. I mean, so, so what? He got a couple of boxes with nuclear secrets confused. Wouldn't you trust someone like the sitting president? I mean, what's the difference between the White House and Mar-a-Lago? There's lots of security at Mar-a-Lago. And again, going back to kind of what, dawned on me, number one, obviously, you know, now this is putting, Merrick Garland's not afraid of it, I think, but putting all the kind of making this political, putting this in a defensive posture. But then number two, I don't think the American public kind of understands the full depth of what is happening here. It wasn't just maybe there were some innocent passports that the family didn't realize that they shouldn't have taken with them. Okay, things like that happen when you've never actually held a public office and didn't pay attention to those security briefings that I guess you had leading up to taking public office. But I think the second troubling piece is, it's how the world is viewing this, right? So Norm, play this out. No matter what happens out of this process, America loses. Whatever America we decide that we want to be, America loses. We've taken such a hit in terms of our like complex woven fabric of national infrastructure, or national security infrastructure, and what fragile trust we have tried to build With fledgling democracies, countries that we pushed for democracy. I don't think that, I don't think Americans, most Americans understand this. It's something that I had to travel kind of around the world and pick up on over decades. But curious your thoughts on that. The
0: last point that you mentioned, it's very interesting that Scott Morrison, the now defeated uh, former prime minister of Australia, turns out that he secretly usurped power in a way they had never seen in Australia before. I won't go into any details, but it's pretty clear that Trump has been a role model, just as Duterte and Sisi and Putin and Erdogan uh, and uh, Orban were role models for Trump. He's been a role model for people like Scott Morrison. So this is a bad thing. I want to do one minute just of a recap of Mar-a-Lago. First, you see uh, Trump saying, boxes, there are no boxes, we gave everything back. Then it was, they planted information here. Then it was, well, I had boxes, but there's nothing serious there. Then we find out that there were not only classified documents, but the most top secret documents that under law can only be viewed and held in the most secure facilities. Then it was, as you said hey, Mar-a-Lago is uh, just as secure. Then we see that there's surveillance footage where people were coming in and out of the room where these boxes exist. Then we find out that among them was uh, sensitive information on the president of France, probably there for blackmail purposes. Then we have Trump's acolytes and Trump himself saying, well, We declassified it all. I just did it with a wave of my magic wand, which is just simply absurd. A president cannot do that. And some of those documents can't be declassified, period. And some that are not classified are highly sensitive. And now we're getting other ridiculous stories. It's getting worse and worse. And at some point, we're going to find that it's impossible to move forward without indicting him for a variety of actions. And now, of course, we also have this debate that is joined by people like David Brooks. Oh, you know, it would destroy the country if we indict him. Imagine what it does to a country. If you have a president who says, these documents are mine, even though his lawyers are telling him that it's illegal, by the way, lying and saying that Barack Obama has 30 million pages, including highly sensitive stuff in Chicago, when he doesn't have one page, it's all held by the National Archives, It's it would be a travesty if he were not held to account. Just one word on the media. We had this big, wonderful signing ceremony for this hugely significant Inflation Reduction Act. And the New York Times story is not about what's in the act, not about the great triumph of doing this without a single Republican vote in the House or Senate. But the shadow of Trump means that It doesn't matter that they can't get anything. They can't get traction for it. The media deciding that they will not give Biden any credit, that they have to treat him no matter what, even if there's no corruption, even if there are successes compared to the failure to have any successes, the same as they treated Trump is one of the great problems. And there's no learning curve for our mainstream media no understanding of the grave threat to the freedom of the press and to our fundamental freedoms. And it's one of our great obstacles.
1: The only coverage I saw, just in flipping through to exactly your point, I read that Times piece, thought the same thing, but I also can tell you, the only TV coverage I saw, there was about Six minutes, maybe four to six minutes on Lawrence O'Donnell on the climate change. And and it's funny, obviously I've got a lot of like I think that's I think the climate change aspects of this are incredible, necessary, not sufficient, but incredible. There's so much in there, Norm. And I was like, oh, this might be is all all we're gonna get. Six minutes given everything that was happening. And then I counted because I thought it was interesting out of a two-hour stretch of time on MSNBC. The remainder of the time, not no joke, the remainder of the time was somewhere split between, you know, Mar-a-Lago and then primary results as they were coming in. And I thought this exact, your point, it just brought it home. I thought not only is it just potentiating, again, going back to Fox News' coverage, where all they said, brilliant, to just keep saying over and over again, Inflation Reduction Act is a lie. Inflation Reduction Act is a lie. They did it with such a uh, discipline that was the same sentiment I had. So I'm hoping maybe we can actually to practice what we preach with that. It's always fun to, to talk, but we've got to say goodbye. And so for this week, I just want to thank not only our incredible production team, head by Chris Cotnoir, who's the producer for DSR Network and our producer for our episode, Grant Haver, always incredible. And make sure that if you join us and you find that this has been fun for you to listen to, please spread the word, share this episode with your friends, social media. And then if you'd like more of the conversation and you want to get access to members only content, not just on this podcast, but others become a member of the DSR network You will not regret it. It's some of the best money I've spent and it's how I've gotten to know what I want to call my virtual family. So the next episode will be in your feeds on August 26th. See you then.